0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is Bronze and Modern Gods. I am John. And I'm Richard. Hey, we have our viewer mail today with the return of viewer mail. We've got all our regular features like our underrated books of the week, 25-year-old. But before we get started, we have a new sponsor on the show, Richard. Now, before we get into this, longtime viewers of this show know how Richard signs off every week. How do you go, Richard? What do you say? Everybody stay safe. Well, This is right in line with that advice, Richard. You guys are aware identity theft is the fastest growing crime in America. There's a new victim every 14 seconds. Let's count together, ready? (laughs) Uh, And that's why we're
1: excited to have partnered with uh, today's sponsor, Aura. I am a huge proponent of of personal security and personal safety, um, and Aura supports that. Uh, It's a new app that combines the... um, identity theft protection, fraud monitoring, a VPN, which everyone should be using, password management, which everyone should be using, and and, an antivirus software all in one.
0: Now, true story, swear to God, I got an email yesterday uh, announcing a uh, settlement from a large credit monitoring company because of a security leak. I'm eligible for a settlement and that's just one example of what can happen out there. Uh, One look at my account on Aura, And I can see how many times Aura found my passwords or personal identification on the dark web. Aura also gives you near real-time alerts on suspicious credit inquiries, like if someone's trying to open a credit card or a loan in your name. Mm -hmm. Scary stuff that you can get protected from. It is. And Aura's uh, VPN
1: allows you to stay anonymous online by keeping your browser history and personal information safe and encrypted. Everyone should be using a VPN protect yourself from all of the uh, tracking information that comes from um, major browsers and services. It's an important thing to have
0: and you could protect yourself from identity theft at aura.com/ bronze again that's our code or that's not our code that's the URL to use mm-hmm. aura.com/ bronze. We have a link in the show notes as well. If you sign up for aura with our link aura.com bronze, You'll not only get a two-week free trial. You'll also be supporting the show. And I'm so glad I finally get to say this for real after making it a running joke for so long.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so head on over to aura.com slash bronze to try Aura uh, for 14 days for free and protect yourself and stay
0: safe. See, it pays off. (laughs) And now we're back with our hot book of the week. Richard, I I roll, I roll. I'm just saying it. (laughs) I'm rolling my eyes preemptively. You go ahead. The hot book this week is Spawn number one. Really? Okay. Yeah. Cool.
1: Yeah. Todd McFarland announced this week that the Spawn movie is back on track with Jamie Foxx to star. This All movie- right. Hold on. Let
0: me stop you there. I know black don't crack, but Jamie Foxx is not <laughs> that young.
1: I know. You. There are a lot of other aspiring actors that I'm sure would have loved to play that part. Uh, maybe it's jamie wanted to do this you know i'm not
0: trying to be ageist but isn't he our age
1: yeah yeah but yeah yeah i mean look at ryan reynolds ryan reynolds wanted to be a deadpool and he made it happen maybe this is the same thing
0: I will he also play like a character like wanda from in living color (laughs) (laughs) let's, let's get back to this book the 90 day gpa average for a CGC 9.8 is a whopping $183, which is probably $182 more than this book should be going for. But Richard, there is an exception here. Tell everybody what the exception is. The the newsstand, which is actually quite rare,
1: rare, uh, is going for $899 as a 9.8.
0: That's $899. Yes.
1: See, I disagree with John. I, I think this book is... Uh, an important book for people to have in their collection. Everybody should have a copy of this book. You can buy a raw copy of this book for 15, 20 bucks, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know, I know. The the, the the John is rolling his eyes because there are 1.7 million copies of this book out there according to Todd, the toddler himself. <laughs> so-
0: I, you know, a lot of people I will say are excited about the Todd McFarlane signing at CGC. Yep. And so I'm sure that's driving a lot of these sales. And we are now, let's see, thirty years out from the beginning of this book, the origins yeah. of this book. So it's a whole new generation and a half that's come along, and yeah. maybe, maybe this book has bopped around in bargain bins for so long that I don't know. I'm trying to make excuses for it now.
1: No, I mean it's it's the longest, uh, um, longest running title from an independent. Right, she passed Cerebus uh, a couple years ago. Yeah, um, Todd Savage
0: Dragons right behind it, right?
1: Is it? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easily kept, um, its momentum throughout the years. I mean, it's it's ebbed and flowed a bit, but Todd has always always kept it relevant, and uh, and he is just a showman. And you're right that his signing is coming up. People are really excited about it because they typically live stream it. And they make it a spectacle, and it becomes, uh, you know, it's a part of the collecting hobby. Watching Todd do his signings, so yeah, there's excitement about the signing coming up. There's excitement about the movie coming up, and uh, and I think it's all well deserved. I think it's uh, it's I-, I like to see this kind of excitement about something, something substantial.
0: I will tell you guys, do not spend $189 on a 9.8 slab of this. Find a raw copy that you can press up to a 9.8 for 20, 25 bucks if you have to. And send it in yourself. Come on. Yeah.
1: Eh, I cheated. I, uh, a couple of years ago, I bought a 9.8 for, I think it was 100 bucks. There you go. Yeah. And I've just sad. It's again, it's, to me, it's an important part of a collection of some, you know, and, uh, but I agree with John. I think $189 is a bit steep for this book
0: all right now it's time to hit that viewer mail you've got mail and we've got a lot because we uh took a week off with our conversation with uh, andrew sumner from titan so uh let's get right into it our first piece of viewer mail comes from martin haymans who emailed us at bronze modern gods at gmail.com and martin writes dear bronze and modern gods strangely enough that's us <laughs> that's quite apropos i know hey guys love the show Since you've been touching on cutting up vintage comics in the last few episodes, I wanted to bring up a dilemma I've been having for the last few months. I picked up a very cheap and well-read copy of All-American Men of War, number 89, with a detached cover last year. On the whole, this Silver Age book is completely unremarkable and would sell for less than 10 bucks, except for the fact that Roy Lichtenstein stole some of Jerry Grandinetti's art (laughs) to create the pop art classics, Wham!, ta 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 and blam it's such a low-grade copy that i'm very tempted to cut out and hang the pages in question on my wall because of their cultural and artistic importance i'm still not sure what i'm going to do but i wanted to bring up a different perspective on the issue well yeah okay martin um cheap book still historically significant you made the argument for me i you know you're saying yourself here that it's an important book even if it's a detached cover and it's a rag, f- do a color photocopy of the pages if you want. Why do you have to cut up the, I, I, do you want the patina? Do you want the yellowing? Is that what's going on?
1: Oh uh, yeah, I'm torn about this one. I can understand, you know, um, some people let me you know I, I do uh, comic book related art and I have been tempted at times um, to use real comic book pages in my artwork. Because it's relevant to what I do, and you know, I would never use anything like, you know, Amazing Fantasy 15 or, or any any real, uh, high value book. But I, I could see myself, taking a low end book and using, you know, using the the artwork for it um, as background to something that I would do. So you know, I, I could understand why he would want to take this this book which has significance to him and, you know, and it, it ties directly into this, uh, <laughs> this, uh, you know, what Roy Lichtenstein
0: uh, did. Um, so,
1: you know, it's, it's, you know, it's 10 bucks.
0: I, I think there I, is a difference. I think what really, I think chaps are, what, what gets chaps when something, when something chaps, you <laughs> chaps, <laughs> chaps, my lips, what well, really chaps our lips. Uh, I don't know if that's the saying or not, but, um, is when people are are separating pages and selling individual pages. Yeah, that's the real crime. I think you know when I see people repurpose comic book uh, pages to make notebook covers and things like that. I, I don't really hate on that that much. And maybe this is a case like that. I just know that All American Men of War eighty nine. If that that's the right issue, yes. Um, I want one. I wish I had one. I have never owned one. And that's one of the books that's on my list. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm feeling some sort of way about this that I should not be. No, you bring up a good point. Um,
1: we, he's not talking about taking this book and chopping it into pieces and then marketing, selling it as, yeah. you know, individual pieces. He's going to take it and he's going to put it on his wall. You know, it's going to be a piece of art. And, you know, there's a lot, long history of people repurposing um, printed materials for artistic purposes. So I,
0: all I, right, I don't really Susie, Orman, Susie Orman hat. You are approved, Martin. You are <laughs> approved. All right, what's your first piece of viewer mail? Uh, my first piece is from Alan
1: Carr. Um, good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, another Aussie checking in to say what a great show. Andrew was great, and I would like to see more. Well, thank you. The thing with Aussies, uh, we absorb the cultures of both countries, so we get, it, uh, get to enjoy it all. My two all-time favorite heroes uh, Dan Dare, and Flash Gordon. I, yeah, um, we, I had a great time uh, talking with Andrew. He, he's a really, really, we have a lot of background that's very similar. Um, I grew up, you know, when I was when I was in my formative years, um, eight, nine years old, um, I, I can still remember it to this day. We went to Jamie's Flea Market, which is a flea market there in um, uh, Northeast Ohio. And my mom bought me a a book you know if you used to buy me books all the time um this is a this was a annuals eagle annual for nineteen sixty two
0: now can I stop this story here uh how in the hell did an Eagle annual from nineteen sixty two produced in the UK end up at Jamie's flea market in Amherst Ohio
1: I have no idea
0: I have no
1: idea uh, but I didn't I know I I got this book, and and this um as as Andrew was talking about, these annuals uh are anthologies, right? They're combinations of stories, and to me, it's a combination of a comic book and boys' life magazine. Um, there's a variety of different topics, different subjects. Um, there's a Dan Deere uh story in there. There was a story about uh Douglas Bader, who was probably the, the most badass fighter pilot in the Second World <laughs> War. Uh, had two tin legs and uh, still flew, flew Spitfires. Um, you know there's a story about Andrew Fleming the, the man who invented penicillin. Uh, but there's you know, a lot of comics, a lot of a lot of activity going on in this book and I remember reading that thing over and over and over. This was back when I didn't have any money and I wasn't getting comics you know 20 comics a week. Um, this I mean, reading material was pretty sparse back then and no internet and uh this this book was really important to me and it really fostered in me a love of you know these serialized stories and uh so yeah i i you know dan Dare is, is, is someone who's dear to my heart as well and uh i i am jealous of you alan having access to both the american content and the british content because this is the only piece of british content that i really had access to until uh in the 80s when um at uh, 2000 AD and, and, uh, and judge Dredd and, and things like that came up. Uh, I had
0: access to that stuff through my local comic book stores. Hey, Alan, uh, by the way, Richard's looking for a reprint of fantastic four number five from Newton comics down in Australia. So, Oh yeah. Why don't you hook a brother up? Uh, <laughs> please. <laughs> also, if you liked our interview with Andrew Sumner last week, you will absolutely love who we are interviewing next week teaser i'm not gonna reveal who yet i'm excited i'm so excited but we have to thank andrew for hooking us up you guys will not believe our interview next week it's gonna be fantastic and alan is such a good man from down under i actually picked a piece of viewer mail from him as well (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome alan also emailed us at bronze and modern gods at gmail.com good afternoon gentlemen i heard a comment on al milgram the other day on your video I have listed and sold 20,000 comics on eBay over the years. Good for you, Alan. Yeah. Do you know how many of those had Al Milgram covers? (laughs) Seems like half Marvel and DC and Marvel, and the lad is still with us. All hail Al Milgram. Cheers. The Gold Key Kid, a.k.a. Alan Carr. Al Milgram. I uh, am of two minds of Al Milgram. I loved his stuff in the 70s particularly Captain Marvel again as we talked on the podcast first comic book I ever subscribed to because uh-huh. Al Milgrom was drawing it I loved the art I loved him on Firestorm I think when he came over uh doing his Marvel work in the 80s I don't know if it was deadline pressures or what but sometimes like the kitty. Pride Wolverine miniseries. Uh, oh, right! I did, yeah. all I have to do is say that, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> do <laughs> or Al? I don't know what happened. Uh, he was if he was drawing directly to ink on the page and not penciling first. But man, uh that book not his best work. But I do have a lot of respect for Al Milgram. The volume of work, the deadline pressures there must have been. He was an editor as well uh he wrote things including uh the immortal us one (laughs) (laughs) shout out to our friend evan on that (laughs) maybe i shouldn't mention uh that but i do have really fond memories of uh al milgram's art in the 70s all right richard what's your next piece of your my next piece of your mail is from second best bob wait a second who's the first
1: Uh, i don't know who's the best
0: bob newhart you can't you can't leave that leave us hanging. Let us know, Bob. Second best. Go on. <laughs> I noticed you
1: didn't say how disappointing the Forbidden Planet shops are now. Uh, probably um, for the best, I guess. This is in relationship to our guests from last week.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, hold on, let me get in here. <laughs> I replied to Bob on uh the YouTube comments, and and it's not polite to invite someone on and then take a big crap on their work. Uh, I would never do that. And I think Andrew addressed it as well by stating how it was really a tourist destination. Right. Right. And that's basically what I have said when I was disappointed because I'm a huge, huge nerd and I'm expecting back issues. And that's not what Forbidden Planet is. It's not my, my wife
1: happens to be in Scotland this week. Wow, uh, yeah, she's in Edinburgh uh, right now. Uh, she's attending a wedding for a friend, and she happened to come across the Forbidden Planet store there uh, in Scotland. And she enjoyed it. She she really enjoyed the show, uh, the store. Um, she bought me a t shirt, so I have a Forbidden Planet t shirt coming back from from the UK. But I I I think it's one of those things where it's a different. It's made for a different audience than a, a comic book. Um, a fictionado, more probably cult, pop culture oriented than it is specifically for uh, comic books, and that's OK. I mean, to me, part of the things that keeps comic books alive is an ever growing audience for people uh, and an ever growing um, source of material that people f- find interesting and then can you know segue into the comic book collecting hobby. So even though it may not be targeted directly for you, uh, it could be targeted to the next generation or uh, future generations of comic book collectors. And I think that's a good thing.
0: Uh, Bob, second best Bob, please uh, write in and let us know who the first. <laughs>
1: you,
0: you went know. right to Newhart too. I and mean, you're really showing your age there. I know, a little bit of a cliffhanger, Saget. My next piece of your mail is from Brooks Robinson who writes about CGC now notating newsstands. Uh, By the way, first mention of CGC in two weeks for the people who are complaining that we (laughs) brag on this too much. The newsstand note is all about getting the census numbers sorted. It should be useful to see how many high-grades newsstands there are. Although, without doing it retroactively, it really won't make much of a difference. (laughs) You're right, Brooks?
1: Yeah, Yeah, unless the entire run of CGC submitted comics get returned to pull out the newsstands, it really doesn't
0: mean that much. You are correct. Um, Yeah, you answer that yourself, Brooks. Thanks for writing in. But uh, speaking of newsstands, Richard, your next piece of viewer mail? Yeah,
1: um, next piece is from uh, Angelo Verone. Swamp Thing number 37, the Canadian price variant, uh, is also a newsstand with a 95 cent cover price. And scarcer than the direct and U.S. newsstands, which I, which I completely agree. Uh, love the video some time back where you guys discussed CPVs. Hope you do so again. And yeah, we we definitely have talk, talked about uh, Canadian price variants in the past. Um, they have a they have a substantial premium, and uh, you know they're because of the smaller print runs. And you know we 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 as comic collectors are fickle. We don't seem to really want to uh, support comics from the UK or from uh, countries that don't use dollars. I mean, we have to, we have to see that dollar sign on the price. So, you know, the Canadian uh, books and Australian books, uh, they really seem to hold a premium over uh, other foreign titles.
0: And I really don't understand why they can sneak past you. I know that, I know that, uh, uh some of these canadian price variants i have found in the wild just randomly because I, it's weird i have this weird ability to have uh the way a book should look imprinted on my brain <laughs> and when i look and i'm i'm like something's wrong here something's different with 35 cent variants i have that ability and like wait I, and then i have to go google it real quick on the sly um so you also are very close to Toronto, Richard. Have yes. you ever gotten tempted to hop in the car, drive across the lake, and go searching for Canadian price variants? You know what? this is this is the
1: first time that I have actually thought of that particular thing. I'm
0: always flying to Mexico over here.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, Toronto's one of my favorite cities um, that I've ever visited. Love Shout out to Toronto. Yes. Yes. Toronto was the one of the, the friendliest group of people I have I have ever run into. Um, I used to do I used to go there quite often and my wife and I used to go quite often. And um, I'm going to have to rectify that. We're going to have to go back because, yeah, I I kind of want to go to comic, uh, Canadian comic book stores up there and see what I can uh, what I
0: can find. Get a twofer. Take take the wife to Niagara Falls. Go comic book shopping. Drop her off at the falls. The <laughs> <laughs> I, I like this wife i think i'll keep her around okay you've had her for a while I, Yeah, I have. you've had her longer than 25 years hey there's a segue to the 25 year <laughs> have you I been know. married longer than 25 years uh 23 years oh almost so close yeah pretty close so close hey 25 year rule is when we Roll roll the clock back, roll time back to 1997, 25 years ago, when uh, people hit that nostalgia after 25 years and they want to collect their childhood. That's what the 25-year rule is about. Today, one of the weirder titles from Marvel in this era, Quicksilver, number one. Richard, was there a demand for a Quicksilver solo series? No, no. This was the first ongoing series, the only ongoing series for one of Marvel's earliest mutants. If you think about it, first appeared in X-Men number four with Mm -hmm. the brotherhood. Mm -hmm. It was by the creative team of Tom Payer, Payer, maybe Payer, uh, and Rob Haynes. The concept was Quicksilver somehow ends up in Wundergore and becomes the leader of the Knights of Wundergore. Bit of a strange concept, especially when you consider that the Knights moved to Manhattan which made it a little more relatable with the Marvel Universe. I don't know how long you could sustain a book that took place in Wonder Gore. <laughs> was relatable. Well, by issue eight, the entire creative team had turned over. New writers, new artists. And by issue 13, it was all she wrote. 13 issue run. Why did this book exist? Question mark? Copyright protection, maybe? They had to have Quicksilver on the cover with a logo to protect that copyright? Good. Could very well be. Why not just have him guest star in Spider Man team up or something? I don't. Oh, I, I, Tom uh, Payer, pet sorry, pet project from some some editor. I don't know. I don't know. Tom Payer wrote some good stuff. I, I some of his DC stuff was really good. I remember the name uh i've never read this book never had any interest quicksilver as a character has been messed with mentally so much mm-hmm. he's insane he's not insane he hates it. crystal his wife and luna his daughter he loves them oh, I, I imagine they try to resolve this in this book i know peter david tried in x factor when quicksilver was a member of x factor meanwhile Full runs of this book can be had on eBay from anywhere from $10 to 25 bucks. So if you are really curious about Quicksilver Solo Series, head over to eBay, drop uh, just a few coins, and you can find out for yourself.
1: Yeah.
0: Hey, guess what? What's that? It's time for underrated books of the week. All right. Why don't
1: you start? Yeah, my underrated book is a kind of an interesting pick. Uh, I picked Daredevil number two from 1964. Hmm. Um, you know, it's this is the second appearance of Daredevil, mm-hmm. uh, second appearance of Electro. Yes. Uh, two of the major characters characters in the, the Marvel Pantheon. Hey,
0: the thing's in there too. Oh, that's true. For uh, there is a Fantastic Four appearance in this, in this mm-hmm. book. As well. okay. The thing comes to hire Matt Murdock as a lawyer.
1: You know, this this book is I I think pretty key. And it's, you know, number issue number one of Daredevil is has gone stratospheric. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know later issues uh, you know are somewhat more affordable this book here there um, there are 1875 copies on the census um, as a counterpoint for the UK version which is a Pence version there are only 22 mm. people go out and buy those Pence versions because I think at some point people are going to realize that you know there's there's some rarity there um, but this book is to me is relatively affordable a, a, a 3.0 CGC 3.0 um goes for 386. These are last last sold values. A 5.0 is $510. Um, you know, 7.5 starts to climb up. It's $1,200. And, and an 8.5 uh, an eight is over $2,000. But, you know, those lower grades are still, to, in my opinion, for second appearances of such major characters, um, this is really affordable. So if you can't afford an issue number one of Daredevil, you um, this is a great way of getting that early Daredevil uh appearance as part of your collection for what is still reasonable. Now, um, you know, with with I'm um, you know, with certain things that have happened recently, um, will probably see more of Daredevil uh, in the upcoming uh MCU. So now's the time to really start to latch on to this, you know, before the prices start to climb up
0: again. First thing, you're you're being very vague and hinting at his appearance in She-Hulk. Oh man, I wasn't gonna say it. Uh, I'll say it. I think it's not a spoiler. I mean it's everywhere. I have you watched it? Yes, I have. And what did you think? I thought it was great. I exactly. thought it was great. Yeah. People complaining that it was lighthearted. Have you read Daredevil? I'm not talking the Frank Miller dark and gritty Daredevil. I'm talking any other era of Daredevil just about. The man was a jokester. He was he was Spider-Man Jr. in a lot of respects. So yes, there's some lightheartedness there. Um, this is also the second appearance of Electro wasn't electro played by jamie fox yes yes he was <laughs>
1: okay it's all coming around here yeah J- jamie Foxx is is the center he you know he is the uh six degree of separation character yeah
0: <laughs> all right um my underrated book of the week this week is a real obscure marvel bronze age title it is little kids featuring calvin number 10 what the heck is this john A little kids was a Marvel reprint title in the early 1970s that reprinted Atlas era kids titles. Like, uh, I don't know. They all were Dennis, the menace ripoffs pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Until this issue, when all new material was created, starring a new character named Calvin. What is unique about this? Calvin may very well be the first kids comic that headlined an African American character oh you know i never thought about that 1973 am i missing anything i don't think so yeah i'm talking headliner uh not much is known about the creator of this strip kevin banks he doesn't have any other comic book credits and there's not much online about him really but calvin ran for three whole issues until (laughs) little kids was canceled with issue 12. Uh, this seems to have been completely forgotten by history. Um, this is one of the things in my wheelhouse. I was obsessed with little kids, particularly Calvin, for years. Uh, tried to get a high-grade run. I had 10 and 11 and 12, probably nine fours, nine twos for years oh, wow. and years. Yeah, sent them to get slabbed. I think I sold my little kids number 10 to Bucky's books a while ago. Shout out to Bucky. A CGC 9.8 with a double cover sold for $450 in February of 2020. I think that's insanely cheap. I did not know a 9.8 of this book existed. (laughs) I'm shocked a 9.8 of this book existed.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised that that these books tend to be very well read. I mean, they're kids' books.
0: Kids' books. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was obsessed with Lil Kids and its companion title, Lil Pals, which reprinted um funny animal stories from the Atlas era. Oh, wow, okay, yeah. So, uh, you know, running alongside a Millie the model at the time, uh, you know, Marvel kept their kids' titles going for a lot longer than they probably should have, uh, to revive them in the 80s with the Star Comics line for a few years, but uh, yeah. Little kids featuring Calvin. No one seems to give Calvin his props. No. Hey, if anyone knows
1: any more information on it, please uh, leave us a comment. I'd be very interested in hearing more about Kevin Banks, for example.
0: I want Kevin Banks on the show. Where are you, Kevin Banks? Yeah, yeah, please. that would be hopefully awesome. he's still around hopefully he's still with us i uh-huh. uh I, I remember i vaguely remember and somebody in the comments please correct me if i'm wrong <laughs> you will um <laughs> i remember someone actually asked roy thomas who was editor-in-chief at marvel uh at this time about this and he had no recollection or knowledge of who this kevin banks was or why wow. they did this and so it really seems to be lost in the mists of time so i would love to to learn more about this book and Kevin Banks. That is going to wrap it up for this week. Thanks, everyone. Remember, hit like if you're on YouTube. Subscribe if you have not. If you're on your favorite podcast platform, why not leave us a review? Right, Richard? Please, please. We'd love to hear from everyone. And we'll catch you next time.
1: Everybody stay safe.